I'm Liam Printer, and this is The Motivated Classroom. Bonjour, hola, buenos dias, guten tag, hello, and welcome to The Motivated Classroom podcast. I am very thankful to have you all here joining me on this incredible 86th episode. 86 episodes? What? I was supposed to stop after 20. I can't believe this is still going, but thank you so much for being here with me throughout this. Now, today we're going to be speaking about reading strategies again. Yes, that is how important reading is. And of course, this follows up on the wonderful episode last week with Margarita Perez Garcia when she spoke about using graded readers with beginner students and how we bring in reading at a very early stage of language acquisition. And she gave us those lovely four strategies, those four approaches that you can find more on her website. And of course, Dr. Stephen Krashen spoke extensively about the importance of reading. And we know it's 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 pretty much an established fact that reading is going to help you across all areas of life. But in particular, it's going to help you in language acquisition when you're reading material that is interesting, compelling, understanding to you. And so that leads us, of course, directly into our Irish phrase for the day, which is and that means, what are you reading? So means reading and is what are you? So what are you reading? Now, those of you who have followed every episode will, I'm sure, be listening to this going, but hang on, Liam, you already did an episode about reading strategies way back episode 24, a couple of years ago. And you're right, I did. And when I look back on that, I still love all of those activities. And actually, the more I look at this now and the more I think about it, because today it's about the reading diary. I had to put the reading diary in here plus seven other strategies because so many people contact me and ask me about the reading diary and how it works and can you please do a full episode on the reading diary. So that one is there and I did speak about this in episode 24 and I also spoke about free voluntary reading which are two of these things today. However the other ones are all new and all different and I think that's actually made me think about this a lot. I'm going to do a workshop on reading strategies, very similar to the workshop I gave the online workshop over three Saturdays on teaching with compelling comprehensible inputs, like an overview and introduction of various ways to bring comprehensible input teaching and make it interesting and motivating to your class. And so the next one of those is August and September. Check it out on my website if you want to sign up. I don't actually know if there's any places left, but have a look. So I think I'm going to do a workshop very similar over two to three Saturdays, an hour and a half on each one, just about reading and we'll all read the same and different texts but we will bring in lots of reading strategies and show you these in action as students in my classroom so if you're interested in that send me an email let me know and I'll see if there's enough interest I can put one together so to go back to these strategies about reading today is called the reading diary and seven other strategies I love about for reading and reading activities I'm going to start with the reading diary because this is something that is so important. Well, I suppose I kind of need to put free voluntary reading first. So I mentioned this in episode 24. And this is basically when the students walk into the classroom, there is a library of graded readers that I have built up over the years. Now, if you're based in Europe, I use the CI Bookshop run by Kirsten Planta. You can all use Amazon. There's many of them on there. And if you're US based, you can use the command performance books. There's many of them in there. And particularly if you're a Spanish teacher, look up Acento Latino. These are authors from Hispanic backgrounds, South American, Spanish or native speakers of Spanish. And they've written these books in comprehensible ways. And I've had many of them on the podcast already. So do check those out, please. 
Now, the free voluntary reading is hugely important. It's the most important part, really, because as Dr. Krashen mentioned, there's a huge amount of power when a student can choose their own book. So over the years, build this up. Now, people say to me, but I don't have the money to order 20 copies of these books. These books typically cost about six or seven euros. So 20 copies, about 120 euros. Most schools will be okay with that. And if you're listening to this going, well, definitely not my school. Ask them, how much are they spending on textbooks? A textbook, in my experience, typically costs about 40 to 60 euros, sometimes more. So ask them, how much are they spending on textbooks? And can you get rid of textbooks and replace them? Can you use that budget on readers? And you will immediately see you have a lot of money available, actually. If that's simply not the case, build them up slowly, gradually over time. Just buy one or two copies of ones that sound interesting to you, put them in your library, and over the years, you can build them up. That's my big recommendation. Students walk into the class, they pick the book and they read for five minutes in silence and then we'll do some follow-up activities of which some of those are in there today. So that's free voluntary reading and go back and listen to episode 24 if you want to learn more about how that works. So now, the reading diary. I speak about this a lot because I just love it. I absolutely love it. It works so well on so many different levels. Students are getting loads of inputs. I'm learning about them. They're learning about me. We're having a conversation through writing. There's so many great things about the reading diary. So this is how it works. Students from the free voluntary reading, the book that they're reading themselves, or a book that you're reading as a whole class. It depends. It's up to you. But from whatever you're reading, something they have read, it could also just be an article that they've read. But ideally, it's from books. You say to them, for homework, and it's typically a homework task. It's something that goes on at home. It's not something I usually do during class time. I usually use class time to provide more and more inputs to them. This is mainly an output task. It's them writing, but there is, a, there is a little bit of reading involved. So usually this is something they do at home. So how it works is you ask the students to pick out a sentence from whatever they've read that they could connect to or write a reflection about. Now, the first time they do this, some of them will struggle to find a sentence that they can connect with and you'll have to give them some examples. So I typically would show them the first example on the board. We might read one chapter together of a certain book. So then I'll pick a sentence out that I have some kind of connection to. Maybe in the book, the character says something like, I've always got on really well with my brother, but I don't see him enough. Right. Say that was the sentence. I will put this on the board and I put it in one certain colour. So the in inverted commas with the page number and the date. And then underneath it, I will write, I chose this phrase because I also have one brother and we get on really well together. We play basketball together. He actually taught me how to play basketball when I was young. And we have five years between us, so I don't see him that often. And actually, he went to boarding school, so we didn't live in the same house a lot. But I can really connect to this because I'm very close to him. And when I see him, I love hanging out with him. There's my reflection. Now, of course, that's quite advanced language being used right there. You know, that would not be beginners. A beginner could choose something like, I chose this sentence because I have a brother. I have two sisters. I have a dog. Uh, we live in Lausanne in Switzerland. My brother's name is John. That A be beginner could write that. That's fine. That's the reflection. If they can't connect on anything in a personal level, they can just pick out a sentence that they feel has interesting language use in it. Maybe it's a sentence they didn't know about or maybe it's something that's important in the actual story itself. But they need to write at least three or four lines of reflection, starting with that starter sentence. I chose this phrase because and you may need other sentences to help them like it makes me feel like it helps me to think about it made me think of. So any of these sentence structures, they may need these to help them to write the reflection. 
So they do this at home. You have a class of, let's say, 26, 28 students. They all do this at home. They've all written their seven or eight lines. I check them when they come in. So the next time they'll come in, they'll only do this maybe once a week, maybe even less, maybe once every two weeks. As they come in, I'll say, show me your reading diaries and I'll just quickly walk around and see that they've done it. And you can immediately see that they've done it or not. And then at the end of that class, I'll take up six of them. So not all of them. So I have a class of, let's say, 24 and I pick out six that I'm going to read. That night, I read those and I write a comment underneath. And my comment is a conversation. So that student who said, the beginner student who said, I have a brother, I have two dogs, uh, well, you know, I live in Lausanne. So I might write, my response to that might be, how cool, how interesting, you have a brother. I also have one brother. He lives in Ireland. I really like that you have a dog. I have a dog called Pinchu. And there we go. That's my reflection on it. And I might have a question at the end saying something like, what's your dog's name? That would be with my beginner. For my more advanced student, it could be something much deeper like, yeah, I also have quite a big family, but I don't get to see them as much as I would like. I have a really great relationship with my sister and my brother. We love hanging out together. I just don't see them very often. It's such a shame. What would you like to do differently if you could see your brother more often? You know, that could be your advanced question. So that's how that works. And the student has to respond to your question before they write their next entry. So what about the other 22, 24 kids who you've not taken up? Well, next week you take up six different ones. So by the time you've done this four or five times, you may take one up and there's four entries in there that you've not read yet. So you'd have to read all four, but you do not need to comment on each one. You just comment on the most recent one or, or on any one of them, but you write one comment. So for me to write, to read six and to write six comments, you're talking maybe 10 minutes maybe 12 minutes. But the actual value in that is huge. The students are learning about you. You're having a conversation with them. And most importantly, critically, centrally, this is the key. They feel really competent because they're reading and writing a reflection and they have no corrections to make. Why? Because you sit on your hands, you put the red pen in the bin and you do not correct anything. Not a single word. Nothing. It's just for communication. The object of the task is not accuracy. It's fluency. It's understanding. It's communication. When they get that back, they'll see that and go, wow, I really feel like I can do this. This is great. I feel like I can do this. I have overheard students in my class talk about getting work back in other language classes and feeling like they could not do it because it was just covered in mistakes, even though they had spent hours and hours on it and thought they had done it really well. And of course, what will that student do? Probably use Google Translate. And they were saying, I could overhear them saying, this is so cool, I'm getting my work back and I have no corrections to make. You're not saying you're speaking in perfect Spanish. And I might point that out and say, you know, some of you are making some small errors. That's okay. That's all part of language learning. That's fine. And actually, this was a really common error. You wrote, yo... Tiene, which means I, he has. Actually, it should be yo tengo. So I may address this to the whole class and we may go through that because that was a juicy error. I'll say thank you for that juicy error and we'll address that together. But you do not correct stuff individually. It's just a conversation. Now, that student who wrote yo tiene, yo tiene, which means I, he has many times in my response, in my little reflection to their reflection, I will use the correct form a few times. I will say, oh, yo también tengo un perro. I also have a dog and I have a brother and I have. So they're reading the correct version and seeing it written down and acquiring it that way.
So that is how the reading diary works. I hope that's really clear for everyone and I'm super excited that so many of you want to try this out. If you don't have a bank of novels, you can just use an article you've read online together. You can use it from a story. You can use it from a little text that you've written up for them, a cultural text. You can use it from anything. But the reading diary is very powerful, specifically if it goes on throughout the year and you're reading, maybe you'll read that same student's reflections four or five times throughout the whole year and you've written something four or five times in their book throughout the year. That is very powerful stuff and so much better than correcting every single tiny word and getting them to ruin their competence, ruin their motivation. That's not to say that there's other tasks that are focused on accuracy. They are, They exist, but not this one. There can be other tasks where you say, I really want you to do your best. I'm going to give you some feedback, but obviously just choose three or four errors. Don't correct every error. That is just, as we've spoken about before, cognitive overload. That is when students get that and go, I can't do this. Okay, so what about the other strategies? So we've mentioned free voluntary reading and the reading diary, two of which I already spoke about back in episode 24. And these other ones are new and different. And I just kind of wrote these off the top of my head and then went back and looked at my notes from episode 24 and they're all different. So it shows you how we develop over as teachers over time and learn new strategies. So the first one's called, what's the context? So this is when we're doing free voluntary reading at the start of the class. Each student has their individual novel that they put back in their pouch and they read for those five minutes every day and they continue with that until they finish the book. They can change the book if they wish, but not in the same day. The next day they can change it. What is the context? We do this very frequently. So this will be at the end of our reading time. I will now say, okay, now explain one word to your partner that you learned today and the context from that word. So they'll turn around and they'll say, my word for today is botella. And it means bottle because in my book, in the context, the boy is always using plastic bottles. And then the other person says, cool, my word for today is gafas, which means glasses. And it's because in the context, the main character in my book is called Joanna and she wears these really special pink glasses. Great. So now they've done the what's the context. They've exchanged a word each and I will pick out four students at random. Now I have students' names written on lollipop sticks and I pick them out at random. Now, some people think that's a silly way to do things. For me, personally, it works. I, they, I keeps it nice and random. I just pick out four random ones and actually, you know, sometimes some students, particularly my beginner, younger students, they feel like I always pick the same students even though it's random. So that turned into a classroom job. One student has the job to pick out the person's names and he loves it. So he gets to pick out the four people and now suddenly they trust me, it is random. So he picks out their names. And then I'll say to them, okay, I'll call out the four names so they know who's coming. And then I'll say, what I'm going to ask you to do now is tell me the word that you just learned from your partner and the context of that word. So maybe the first person that's to speak is Ben. He says, oh, I learned the word gaffas from my partner. And it was because in his book, there's a kid with glasses, uh, really cool, special glasses. Great. Thank you. Then I turn to the class and say, what was the word? And they say glasses. If it's new for all of us, I put it on the board. We repeat this four times. Everybody knows this could be them. Could They could be called on at any time. When we've done the four words and we've written them, now I'll say, turn to your partner and say, what are the four words we learned today? Who did we learn them from? And what was the context for each of those four? And now they've really got to work their memory and say, oh, okay, Ben's word was glasses and Maria's word was, and then the partner goes, bottle. Oh yeah, because in their book, there's a bottle, whatever. 
So this turns the reading into something accountable. They're learning new words, they're speaking to each other, they're using their memory and they're seeing can they remember and they know that this will happen, that they're going after it. And now of course, once we've done that in their little partners, they've spoken about it. Now I'll say, I'll take it from the class. What were the four words? Who did that come from? Did it come from him? Did it come from her? Yes, we learned that from Ben. And now I'll say, write those down in full sentences. I learned the word today from this person or write down a little paragraph of what you've learned, go. So there's lots of things going on there and that's all just from the reading. What's the context? The next one is when they finish reading their books. So when they finish reading their books, I have a Google document that is a big spreadsheet and basically it says their name, the day that they took the book, the day they returned it, the author, the name, and finally, it has a, like a, in Spanish, we say clasificación. In English, what is it? Star rating. So how many stars you give the book out of five? And then a comment. And the comment, the first one, the comment starts, they give the, I'm giving them the little starter of, in the book I liked, you will like this book if. And that's it. And they may not have liked anything and they can put that in this book. I like nothing because, you know, they can tell us why. But the sentence is, you will like this book if. And that's they have to finish that. So you will like this book if you enjoy playing video games and you like adventures and you want to learn new Spanish words about South America. You will like this book if you enjoy adventures and stuff. So now when students go to pick their next book from free voluntary reading from the library, they can see what their classmates thought about it. And if lots of people gave five stars and lots of people said you like this book, if you enjoy adventure stories, if you read this other book, then they can go and take it. So that's Strategy number four, you will like this book if, again, count accountability, what did they learn from the reading and they write that and it's shared with everybody. Strategy five I use all the time in my class and they love this. They work together in pairs to do this. They've got a mini whiteboard between them. The power of the mini whiteboard, unbelievable. This is very simply called find and translate. So what I do is I will take up a book. It's typically a book that we're all reading together, although it has to be something we were all reading together. Maybe they read chapter six the night before. Maybe that we've just finished reading chapter six. And now I'll take chapter six in front of me at the top of the class. And you may prepare this in advance or you can just do it on the spot. And I will translate a sentence from that book in that chapter into English. They have to find the Spanish version of that sentence and write it down on their whiteboard word for word, perfectly accents and all, and show me by holding up their whiteboard. Whoever does it first wins a point. And even though the points mean nothing, they love doing this. So I'll say the sentence, they find it, they just quickly write it down, they show me. Now, how is this working for them? Well, they're rereading the chapter every time, aren't they? They're getting so many more inputs. They're looking for specific words. They're connecting meaning. So maybe the sentence is, she realized she was late. Now, in Spanish, many people confuse the verb realizar, which means really to do or carry out a task with the verb to realize, which actually is darse cuenta or to notice something. So now they'll find it and say, ah, me di cuenta que, and they'll realize, they write this down and go, that's how you say I realize, oh, me di cuenta. So you are helping them develop their language too. So that's very simply find and translate. You can also do things like, instead of translating, you could describe something. So you could say, okay, everybody books down. This is from chapter six, between pages 20 and 23. So they know exactly where to go. Now you've got in front of you, no one else has the book open right now except you. And then you look and say, okay, in this part of the book, there's a sentence that Maria uses to describe her feelings when she saw that her book had been stolen. Go. So they have to find that sentence and write it down. The first one to do it wins the point. Now remember, these strategies have a double benefit. There's more input, more acquisition, but they're also building relationships with their partner and they're 
developing a love of reading. They're developing a love of books and the things you can do with books. So this is there's lots of stuff going on there. So number six is finish the sentence. So I love doing this one. This is very, very similar. There's a part of the book that we've recently read together uh, and maybe it's a chapter. Now their books, their, the book is not open. Your book is open. And it's when you say go that they can do it. So you'll say, okay, finish this sentence. And then you read out the first three to four words of a particular sentence in between pages 20 and 23. And then you say go and they have to find that sentence and write down the rest of the sentence on their whiteboard. First one to show you wins. And again, this is them looking for words in the text. And of course, they will need to tell you the translation of that sentence afterwards so that you're developing meaning. No point in them scribbling down a sentence and they don't know what it means. So always look for the meaning afterwards. And then you might talk about that sentence. Why is it important in the story? What's going on at that moment, etc, etc. So it's just called finish the sentence. The next one is called recreate the chapter or recreate this, the feelings. And this is a bit longer of a task, actually. I've just thought of another one. I'm so typical, right? I said seven, but there's going to be eight, isn't there? So <laughs> recreate, this is like recreate the chapter. Now, what you will do is that we've just read a chapter and I'll say, first, I want you to write down five words that are really important in this chapter. They could be new words for you, but really you need these five words to talk about the chapter. So they pick out five vocabulary words and translate them. Now, use those five words to write a very short summary about what happened in the, in the chapter. And here's some sentences that will help you. They've done that. When you've written your paragraph, what is the key sentence from your summary? Just one sentence. So you've written a summary of, say, five lines minimum. Now take out one sentence, copy that down. From that one sentence, what is one word that is key? So they've gone from the specific to the general, back to the specific. And of course, they're repeating and learning these words. And it's a really nice exercise. And you look around and see what was the key word that you learned from this chapter or the key word from to describe this chapter is this one word, loyalty, friendship, betrayal, whatever the word is. And then, of course, you talk about this. You look at someone and say, well, you know, Joanna and Megan thought that it was loyalty. Who else agrees with that? No, no. What was your key word then over here? Oh, yours was betrayal. That's like the opposite. Why, why did you put betrayal? And then they'll describe it for you again. They're building a love of reading. Now, what this also helps them to do is to get the entire chapter down into one key word. And what is that word? So they're not only learning that word, they're learning to communicate, to synthesize, to get things down to the nitty gritty, to what is the really key thing that happened here. A lot of these are skills they can use across all sorts of subjects and in life in general. And that's kind of linked to the last activity, which is the most important sentence. Now, there is a bonus one coming after this, which I'll explain afterwards because it's linked. The most important sentence is... You give them a specific amount to read. This is typically, again, of a reading you're doing together as a class, a class novel. And you'll say, tonight, for your homework or for your contact with the language, as I much prefer to call it when I'm speaking in my classroom, I want you to pick out, read chapter six, and I want you to pick out the most important sentence. So now this is different to the reading diary, right? The reading diary was something you could connect with personally. But I want you to write down the most important sentence. Now, typically, my students will do this on Google Classroom as a private comment, but they could write it down by hand on a Google Doc as you wish. So I say, right, take out what you feel is the most important sentence in the entire chapter or in these entire three pages and write why you chose it. So it's very similar to the reading diary, but it's not the same. The reading diary I typically keep in one 
notebook. It's just the reading diary. Nothing else goes in there except their reflections and their readings because it's personal connections. And I say it's just between me and you. It's just a conversation between us. This is more public. You know, they're picking out the most important sentence and sometimes it'll be a private comment. Sometimes it'll be a public comment in Google Classroom and they'll write it down and why they chose it. I chose this sentence because I think this is key in the plot. This is the moment when she realizes that she actually lost the sword in this country and not here, you know, whatever it may be. And you'll see some of them will have the same and some of them will have a different one. And we will discuss that next class with your elbow partner. What sentence did you pick out and why? What one did you pick out and why? Are they different? Why are they different? And now pick between you which one is more important. So this all leads on. And now your bonus activity. This is an activity that comes from Martina Bex, who I've mentioned many times in the podcast, uh, from the Comprehensible Classroom. Loads of wonderful activities. And this is one I read about on her website and I've used many times. Now she calls it the yellow brick road because she gives each of the students a piece of yellow paper where she has written down a key sentence from each chapter of the book. And then you lie these sentences all along the, the ground on the floor with gaps in between them. And you put two students at each of these sentences and they read the sentence. They're in order of the book and they comment and talk to you. They're, oh, yeah, this is when he went to the castle. And when we realized that the prince wasn't there anymore. Oh, yeah. Do you remember that? So that, that's how it works. My little twist on this is that I get the students to do that work for me. So I will give them each a piece of paper and I'll say, you've got pages one to seven, you've got eight to 12 or whatever. You've got each chapter and each student, depending on how many students I have in the class, will read a section again of the book. So they're rereading more inputs and they have to put down one sentence. But I say to them, it can only be a maximum of seven words. It could be the start of one sentence, the beginning of another. It could be the start, or sorry, the end of one sentence, the beginning of another. But it can only be seven words and there must be seven words in a row. They struggle with this because they want longer sentences, right? Much easier to write down loads of big stuff. And then you say you've got everything. No, you have to choose. So they have to choose the seven words. And then, of course, it's only seven words. So when they're walking together in pairs and they read the sentence, sometimes they are scratching their heads going, what? What is this about? And then I might have to walk past, go, remember when she went to the castle? Go, oh, yeah, yeah, that's what they're talking about because she felt really guilty. Or So that is the yellow brick road. My slight adaptation is the seven words and making sure that it's just the students themselves pick out those sentences rather than me pick them beforehand. But maybe if you really want them to discuss certain things that happen in the book, you need to control that part Then you will need to pick out those sentences in advance. So there you go. Some activities around reading. I think there was eight, maybe nine. I suppose we had eight plus a bonus one. So it's the, the reading diary, seven others plus one more bonus. So thank you to Martina Bex for that. Now, before we go, a very quick thank you, merci, muchas gracias to all of you who are patrons of the podcast. Thank you so much for keeping this going. If you're listening to this and you think, do you know what, if I bumped into Liam at some conference or in a train station somewhere, I'd buy him a coffee, I reckon, to say thank you or I'd get him a bag of crisps or I'd get him a coffee once a month. Well, wonderful. If you feel like supporting the podcast to get me coffee or crisps, my two addictions, then that would be great. Go along to patreon.com, look for The Motivated Classroom and you can do that. If not, no problem. It's absolutely fine. Just keep listening for free, sharing for free, all good. Don't worry about it. But if you feel like you want to support the podcast, that would be wonderful. It is through your support that I've managed to keep it going all of this time with my coffee and crisp addictions being well satisfied through the listeners. So thank you for that. 
Or I also have a buy me a coffee page that you can do a once off buy a coffee as well. If you prefer that, just look up Liam Printer on buy me a coffee. And the reason I'm putting this out there is this is a model that it's just it's up to you if you support the podcast or not. I've had many, many companies and people come to me and ask them if to do sponsored sections of the podcast. And I just personally decided not to do that. I feel it would take away a little bit from the message and I don't really want to stand behind or endorse one company over another um, who I don't maybe know that much about. And there's so many people doing so many wonderful things. I don't want to put one over another. So that's the reason I've gone with this model. Maybe it was a very silly decision financially, but there you go. You live and learn. (laughs) No, on a serious note, that was never the goal of the podcast. So any kind of support for my coffee and crisps is wonderful, but it's it's just a little bonus. So thank you for everyone who does that. I really, really appreciate it. Now, of course, it's the Motivated Classroom podcast. So we need to finish with our Irish expression, which today was, What are you reading? And what are you reading? Good question. So Guramila Magav, August Slonawalia. The Motivated Classroom Podcast is an original production by Liam Printer. I'm at Liam Printer on Twitter, and my YouTube channel is Liam Printer The Motivated Classroom. Full podcast notes with links to resources are available on my website, liamprinter.com. For more, find and follow the Motivated Classroom Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Graphics and music are provided by Paul Mahan. Intro clips are thanks to the wonderful multilingual staff at the International School of Lausanne.